is it? Oh, hey, it's you. as if it's going to last all day. If you've made it to episode four, I want to give you my sincere thanks. Life grants us many doors, and when we come to meet them, we have the free will to either open them or refuse to examine what isn't known and reap all the amazing potential rewards or to turn away and risk being faced with nagging questions you'll have no answers to once that door is locked. Making monumental decisions is one struggle for a lot of us. The bigger the decision we are forced to make, the more difficult it is not only to make it, but to enjoy everyday life. If you've been a victim of paralysis by analysis or analysis paralysis, whichever one you feel like, then you know what I mean. If this is new to you, simply put, it's when you ponder something so aggressively, you freeze, unable to come to a decision because of, most commonly, fear. Fear of being wrong, or that their solution may only bring about more problems. It makes it hard to stay in the moment, where we should be most of the time anyway. Sometimes, we're so deep in our heads that we hardly notice what's happening around us. You'd be surprised at how much you can miss with just a blink. Over the years, I've struggled with decision-making myself. No one being is perfect. If you were to ask me, faith is powerful in circumstances such as this. No, not the kind of faith we reach out to. I mean, the faith in your skills 
as a human being and your ability to survive day to day. Life is an ever so extensive road and as we travel it, we will fall to our knees and scrape them badly on occasion. The ability to rise to our feet, tuck our chins, and continue traveling forward as we heal slow but sure. Easier said than done. I know. I know. But we all have the gift of perseverance. Even if it's buried beneath all the other gifts you've got in the closet. It's there. And hey, that's why we have each other too. Some people would become sick to their stomach at the thought of being kind, but that's one of the main reasons I believe we exist. To love and create the best possible existence for ourselves and everyone around us. But what do I know? Just kidding. My point is, when you feel like the chips are down and you need somewhere to escape, you can come hang out with me. I won't guarantee I'll fix the things going on in your life, but while I'm here, I'm your buddy in the dark. We don't make decisions here. We don't worry about what's next. We don't worry. Instead, we talk. We laugh. We tell each other stories. Or I tell you stories. We have fun. And that's just what it is. We've got this, okay? You know what time it is, don't you? You don't have to look at your clock or anything. Because it's time for a good poem. I owe you one. Yes, indeed I do. <laughs> season, and I wrote this back in 2018. When I ask myself what writing poetry does for me, I would say it reassures me that I'm connected to something much greater than myself. 
much more vast. I would also go as far as to say it provides me the opportunity to not only remain linguistically sharp, but the opportunity to feel content and alive. This poem is titled, As We Turn. Green to yellow, red and back again. Mother Gaia's hand had cast seas of gold, fire and blood before our very eyes. From the trees they fell, dancing carelessly against the wind, twirling, coming to rest upon sweet earth, in piles, big enough to shelter us when we were children. Our parents, overcome with laughter, wrapped in autumn's loving embrace, a moment of bliss, a moment where we can be young, forever, green to yellow, red and back again. Mother Gaia's hand had cast seas of gold, fire and blood for your eyes as well as mine. I was in a good place when I wrote this and the leaves were just beginning to turn. What I wanted to do was provide an imagery, an imagery of fall's wonders, plentiful, in a place we're reminded of our earliest years. Green to yellow, red, back again. Mother Gaia's hand had cast seas of gold, fire and blood before our very eyes. Think back to a time you looked outside and saw your neighborhood littered with autumn leaves. There were so many of them, and I don't know about you, but I took every opportunity I could as a child to jump into the piles, maybe even make an angel or two. The many colors, from the trees they fell, dancing carelessly against the wind, in piles, big enough to shelter us when we were children, wrapped in autumn's loving embrace, a moment of bliss. The seasons and what they offer have an effect on us all. They have the ability to take us to a special place in our minds where we feel the most youthful, 
joyful. These are the moments that seem like they'll last a lifetime when we have them. But as we grow older, we tend to forget that feeling from time to time until we find ourselves immersed in the things that remind us so swiftly and grand, like a good fresh pile of autumn leaves to jump in. Green to yellow, red and back again. Mother Gaia's hand had cast seas of gold, fire and blood for your eyes as well as mine. The beauty is all ours, outside as well as in. Ready for another story? Let's see what we got. Okay, now calling 911 because your pastrami melt on wheat hasn't been delivered in over 55 minutes isn't something I would deem justifiable. But in this case, what choice did he have? Fierce gray clouds had rolled above Square City just after 1 p.m., it was a warm summer afternoon, and the city center, an aesthetically pleasing collection of businesses, fine street art, public transport, and social settings, typically busy and bustling with all kinds of people and traffic, now deserted with only a few cars visible outside. There was a mighty storm brewing, and 26-year-old Taylor Grundy was a fan. Taylor was a software developer working alongside six other bright young men and women on a startup called DreamLink V0.1, a network which allows people to connect through a lucid dream platform and have experiences unlike any reality could live up to. The group came together years ago in hopes of using their combined wit to come up with the first ever interactive dream multiverse. Startups did not receive much backing, especially ones with seemingly outlandish ideas such as this. Fortunately enough, the Lucky Seven were able to convince citizens of Square City that they were worth supporting and secured enough money to rent office space inside of a 32-story building in one of the city's most populated areas, Penshire Place. Floor 8, Room 6F was where they gathered for research and development, shared hopes, expectations, laughed, ate food together, and today was no different. 
except for one thing. One of them forgot to bring a lunch. Okay, I'm starving. Let's take a lunch, guys, insisted 25-year-old Navneet Patel, one of the four young researchers that were able to make it to the lab that afternoon. Faces seemingly glued to their computer screens. There was no reply. Food? Eat? Anyone? She repeated. A light rumble of thunder sounded over the city. Sitting closest to Navneet was the head of research. A 28-year-old Square City native in Dexter Wendleton known to his lab mates as simply Dex. He slowly began rotating his swivel chair, maintaining a gaze upon his screen, until finally he turned his head and attention to Navneet. He looked down at his watch and back up at her, with eyebrows raised. Whoa, Nav's right, guys. Good work. Let's get some foodies, Dexter suggested to his lab mates. On the side of him, the remaining two members of the Lucky Seven who were present, Taylor Grundy and 24-year-old Tara Kuznetsov, both turned their sights to Dex in amusement. Tara smiled with widened eyes. Wait, say that again? Taylor also looked on in anticipation. Dex's eyes shifted to the right. They shifted to the left. Come on, you can do it, Taylor chimed in. Dex took a small sip of his bottled water and cleared his throat. His face took on a deadpan expression as he looked to his lab mates. I said, let's get something to eat. For a split second, the room was quiet until all four of them burst with laughter that's not what you said. What's foodies, Dex? Navneet questioned. I'm sorry, but I don't know what you guys are talking about, Dex replied with a silly grin. The sputtering of a nearby bus engine sounded, pulling away just outside the building. Raindrops hadn't fallen just yet, but the sky took on quite a darkness to it, hinting at something rather violent headed their way. You could smell it in the air. Sitting in a section of the lab were designated cubbies for all members of the Lucky Seven, and next to that, a fridge 
microwave, even a toaster oven and sink, courtesy of Penshire Place. The seven would typically bring their lunches from home and place them in the fridge or wherever else. But today, something was different. Three, in Navneet, Dex, and Tara had gotten up from their seats and over to the kitchen area to retrieve their lunches. Taylor remained seated as to indicate he wasn't interested in eating at this time. Dex placed his food in the microwave, whilst Navneet and Tara, with their respective foods in hand, returned to their seats. Tara looked to Taylor with a hint of confusion. You're not going to eat? she asked. Taylor gazed out of the window for a moment, towards his computer, then to Tara. I actually forgot to bring my food. Dex looked to Taylor with curiosity and concern. If you want, I can buy you a sandwich. Sammy's is just down the street, you know, Dex expressed to him. Okay, that's good because I forgot my wallet too, Taylor replied, grinning from ear to ear. Navneet snickered. What'd you do, man? Just wake up and leave? Dex solicited. The four laughed harmoniously. Raindrops began to beat lightly against the pane as 126 rolled around. By this time, no one was visible outside. Taylor leaned back in his chair, arms folded, looking out of the window again. His stomach began to grumble. Hey, do they have pastrami and cheddar on wheat? He inquired. Of course, Dex beamed with a semi-sarcastic tone of voice. They've also got apple juice boxes and little trinkets, if you were wondering. Tara and Navneet snickered again as the time was now 1.32. Sammy's Sandwich Shack, a nearby locally owned sandwich shop, housing many sandwich combinations, from their classic tuna melt on ciabatta to their esteemed spicy fried egg pepper jack roast beef, available with your choice of any bread, Italian, pumpernickel, sourdough, rye, the list goes on and on at Sammy's Sandwich Shack, where the choice is yours. A soft rain began to fall, but the clouds above spoke of a strong storm approaching, and soon. 
Dex removed his lunch from the microwave and stepped over to the window across from Taylor, peering out at the bleakness. Looks mean. He turned to Taylor. I don't think you or I want to go out in that, so I'll get someone to run it over, said Dex on the way back to his seat. Pulling out his smartphone, he dialed the number for Sammy's Sandwich Shack, greeted by a seemingly tired employee on the other end. Hello, Sammy's Sandwich Shack, where the choice is yours. My name is Peter. How can I help you today? Hey, we're in 8080 Penshire Place, room 8. 6F, can we get a sandwich delivered? The rain began to pick up. Yeah, what can I get you? I'll take a pastrami with cheddar on wheat, Dex replied. Pastrami with cheddar on wheat. Any drinker chips? potato chips and an apple juice box. Taylor grew a smile. Okay, your total today will be eleven fifty. Are you paying with cash or credit? said Peter, the tired sandwich shop employee. I've got cash, Dex uttered, searching through the contents of his homemade wallet. You could hear a slight commotion in the background. The sound of people at work. All right, give us about ten minutes with your order, and thank you for calling Sammy's Sandwich Shack, where the choice is yours. The call ended. Soft raindrops continued to fall. The wind began to pick up in intensity, sending a whistle through the air and leaves dancing through the street. Over at Sammy's, business was slow. A hot spot for grabbers on the go, now deserted, with only a few online orders received in the last couple of hours since they opened. A neon sign reading, Open for Business, lie blinking on the inside of the front window. Blinking, saying to customers, Come on in so we can exchange our services for your money. Little success that afternoon, just after 1.38 p.m. The employees have never met Sammy, but legend has it, he served 1,000 of his trademark corned beef Sammy sandwiches to freezing residents in Square City during the Great Frost many years ago. The corned beef Sammy was on the very first menu he created and remains on the current one to this day. 
What a guy. Tired Peter was the cashier that shift. Another employee appeared from the kitchen to the front, carrying Taylor's pastrami sandwich in a plastic bag. Peter, Sergio wants you to take this over to the Benshire building, eighth floor. Peter held the back of his hand against his mouth and let out a big yawn. How come I have to do it? I'm on the register. The employee laughed and set Taylor's order on the counter. He said you weren't busy. You were just standing there, yawning. The number is on your ticket if you can't get upstairs. Peter couldn't hide his distaste, but shrugged it off with a slight grin, heading to the employee closet to throw on his dark red windbreaker. He grabbed the plastic bag containing Taylor's order and walked toward the store exit. Stepping out, the sky above him appeared a sinister bluish green. A smell, the smell of a proper thunderstorm filled his nostrils as he started toward the Penshire building just after 1.42 p.m. Peppered with raindrops, Peter crossed the street looking to walk couple of blocks to his destination. A station wagon passed by to his right, moving leisurely across water laid out onto the street as the rain kept. Just walking, pacing, before the storm began. Only a short distance from the Panshire building entrance, was an elegant courtyard, abundant in colorful foliage and sleek, eye-capturing decor. The rainfall grew in intensity as he walked through the courtyard, noticing a flock of birds flying away overhead. He climbed the first set of stairs leading to the building entrance, coming to a walkway, then the second set of stairs, another walkway, slightly thereafter, followed by the last set of stairs, leading to the entrance of the Penshire building. Peter grasped the handle and opened the door but was met with a man looking to get inside the building too, retracting his spotted umbrella just behind him. Peter noticed the man and held the door open for him to walk through. Hey, thanks, the man said. The two of them continued on to the main lobby greeted by the receptionist on shift. Reaching out with his pointer finger, the man pushed the up button on the elevator. The elevator 
on the right side began to count down as the car descended. Fifteen. Fourteen. Thirteen. Twelve. Eleven. Then a brief stop as soft music played throughout the lobby floor. Ten. brief pause. Another man happened to join the two, looking to go up as well as it hit floor seven, six, five, four, three, two, lobby. The doors opened and the three stepped inside, watching the door shut in front of them seconds after. Peter pressed eight, and the other men, twelve and eighteen. The car started upward, a little beep as they passed the second floor. The third, the fourth, the fifth, and suddenly the elevator halted, grinding as it came to a full stop. The lights flickered for only a moment. Something wasn't right. Peter stood momentarily expressionless as the man with the spotted umbrella tried pushing a few buttons. Nothing seemed to work, and at that time, they were stuck on an elevator at 8080 Penshire Place. Peter's eyes were fixed on the door, all the while hoping it would miraculously swing ajar and they would be free. Alas, it was closed. A few moments and Peter was met with the gaze of the man with the spotted umbrella. The third man appeared confused and looked to them both. The three looked to each other in a quiet panic. Push the alarm button, said the third man to join them. No, Peter blurted in refusal. That's just gonna ring some loud bell, right? Let's call the fire department. It was apparent the man was becoming anxious. Peter just so happened to be wearing his employee name tag, partly visible from inside his windbreaker. Peter, I'm Mick, said the third man. Justin, the man with the spotted umbrella interjected. The three were now somewhat acquainted, and for an instance, things seemed a tad less stressful. But a plan was needed, and they knew this much. I'll call, Mick suggested, reaching into his jacket. 
the lights flickered. It's dead. Tell me you have a working phone. Patting at his windbreaker pockets, Peter realized he had carried nothing with him but the assigned delivery order. I forgot it back at the store, Peter stammered with a churning feeling in his gut. Mick and Peter looked to Justin, the man with the spotted umbrella, but said nothing. It was obvious what they were thinking. Justin had with him a brown handbag draped over his shoulder, reaching inside to grab a hold of his cell phone, digging. He clutched onto it, pulling it from the bag with a battery just under 7%. Immediately, Justin dialed 911. The phone rang for but only a second until a call taker had picked up on the other end. Emergency services, what is the address of the emergency? The woman dispatcher began. 8080 Penshire Place, said Justin. Once standing, Peter decided to take a seat, placing the order upon his lap in wait. Buttons for floor 8, 12, and 18 were no longer lit, and Mick decided he would have a seat too, just after 2.02 p.m. May I have your first and last name? Justin Blocker. The lights flickered again. Okay, Justin, how can I help you? The dispatcher inquired. Me and two other gentlemen are stuck on an elevator at 8080 Penshire Place, and we need assistance. Is the elevator currently stuck in position? She asked. Yes. We were going up a few floors, and then it just stopped with like a grinding sound. It grew quiet. Hello? Yes, I'm still here, the dispatcher replied. I'm going to send help to 8080 Penshire Place right away, although I want you to know there is extremely inclement weather occurring and is currently going to make it difficult for our responders to get to your location. Please be advised that you stay put and wait for help. Do not attempt to force the doors open yourselves. Press any buttons or try to escape via any duct or opening you see. Remain calm and wait for help, okay? Justin looked to the floor and then to Mick, nodding his head at the information he had just received. Yes. Okay. Please hurry. I'm a tad claustrophobic. Justin cautioned her. Sir, just continue to breathe. Help will arrive as fast as possible. She assured him. The call ended. What'd they say? Mick questioned. 
Justin held a momentary blank stare at the elevator buttons, forcing Mick to ask again. Hey, what'd they say? He questioned once more. I guess it's pretty nasty outside. The help won't be here immediately, but they're coming, Justin replied with uncertainty in his tone. Mick appeared confused. What does that even mean? Are they coming or not? They're coming, Justin tried to reassure him. We just have to hang on and not make any unnecessary moves. Meanwhile, back at the lab, Taylor's stomach growled noisily just after 2.13 p.m. The lot had finished eating by then. Navneet and Tara have begun continuing their work on the DreamLink software, whereas Dex and Taylor were hunkered down with their individual tasks concerning the project's hardware and safety measures. An incredible storm swept the city. The rumbling of thunder sounded but not to the extent of one Taylor's stomach. What a day to forget your lunch, huh? They're down the street. Shouldn't someone have made it here before the rain? Taylor wondered. Dex set down his tablet and proceeded over to his desk. I'll call. The phone began to ring, a number Dex hadn't recognized. He picked up and answered. Hello. A faint scratching could be heard, followed by the sound of crinkling plastic. Hello, Dex repeated. Hey. This is Peter from Sammy's Sandwich Shack. I'm stuck in the elevator. You're what? I'm stuck in the elevator, Peter restated. A crackling thunder played in the background. Dexter looked to his lab mate in surprise, with eyebrows raised slightly. He told Taylor what he had found out. Yeah, so he's stuck in the elevator. Taylor looked to Dex. Who? he asked. The delivery guy. He's stuck in the elevator. Taylor sat expressionless, with a blank look about. He wasn't sure what to say until he had finally came up with the words. Did they call the fire department? Taylor's stomach began to grumble once again. Luckily, Navneet had offered to give him a power pack just a few minutes ago. A small container with nuts, fruit, 
crackers, cheese, and salami. It was a tasty snack, but nothing like a hot pastrami with cheddar on wheat, which he had still been anticipating all the while. Suddenly, the call dropped just after 2.24 p.m. What happened? Taylor asked. Dex shrugged his shoulders. The wild rain, heavy and constant, continued to come down over Square City. A beautiful thing for homebodies alike. Meanwhile, inside the elevator, the three gentlemen were seated, awaiting help with their only means of communication now gone. Peter reached over to Justin, returning his cell phone. It's dead, he stated, feeling a newfound wave of anxiety. Mick closed his eyes and slowly began rocking back and forth. His breaths shortened and grew quicker. Hey, man, you gonna be okay? Justin inquired to Mick, showing concern. It was clear the situation was beginning to get the better of him. The lights flickered once again, and Peter had yawned. Yeah. Yeah, everything's fine, responded Mick, faintly. Justin turned his attention to the bag, setting on Peter's lap, just after 2.49 p.m. The smell of something good was undeniable. Something cheesy and pastrami. You work at Sammy's, don't you? Justin asked. Yeah, replied Peter. What gave it away? You can barely see my uniform in this jacket. No, I'd get sandwiches from there sometimes before I relocated. I used to think, man... There's a kid who looks like he could really use a nap. The two laughed, whereas Mick laughed along, still feeling quite anxious just after 2.52 p.m. There was silence for a few moments, and then the lights flickered once again. So what's the best sandwich combination? Peter didn't understand the question. What do you mean, like the ones on the menu? He wondered. I'd say I'm a bread, lettuce, tomato, meat, cheese, pickle kind of man myself. My wife thinks I'm crazy putting the lettuce on the bottom, however. Justin divulged unto them. I mean... That is a little weird, Peter replied, jokingly. 
I'm more bread, meat, cheese, meat, onions, lettuce, tomato, pickle. We've got a Baja peppercorn ranch at the store that goes perfect with any sandwich. I'm still trying to figure out how to make it, but old Sammy's recipe is a guarded secret, he went on. Mick, our pal's too young here. Are you a married man yourself? Mick was more under control than instances ago, looking over to Justin and then to the wall. My wife died a few months back, he shared. Justin grew sad in his expression with a look that offered 1,000 condolences. I'm so sorry. Peter sat still, listening intently. It's okay. I know we'll be together again someday. And it'll be like she never left. But you know what? She would have thought I was nuts if I put the lettuce on the bottom of my sandwiches, too. The three of them laughed. Everyone knows it's bread, cheese, meat, cheese, meat, lettuce, tomato, spicy mayo, pickle, Mick added, beginning to loosen up a bit. The three had been trapped on the elevator for more than an hour. Once under great amounts of stress, but now... Everything seemed just fine, as they realized they could do nothing about their situation, and help was on the way. In the meantime, there was good company. You put the cheese first, wondered tired Peter. I used to do that when I was younger. It's the best, Mick responded. My wife used to set them on the griddle for a few minutes with a little butter. Perfection. Justin smiled. There was a knock just after 3.06 p.m. It appeared to come from one level down. Faint, but loud enough to hear as inside the elevator was soundless. You hear that? Mick asked. The lights flickered. Hey! Hey! You guys alright? A voice cried out, muffled. Hey! Justin shouted. The voice disappeared. The three looked to each other with one thought in mind. That sounded like help. Okay, let's just keep our cool, suggested Justin, the man with the spotted umbrella. I think we're almost out of this jam. I think whoever ordered this sandwich isn't going to want it now, said tired Peter, tugging at the plastic. Mick laughed. Yeah, 
I don't think so. It smelled good, too. I think I could go for some food after this. My treat, guys. What do you think? They agreed. You think that was them? Peter wondered. Who? replied Justin. The fire department? Peter nodded his head. I would hope so, said Justin. It was just after 3.18 p.m., and distress among the three seemed to vanish. What felt like hours in the palm of an unfavorable situation had over time became something different, like a meetup with old friends chatting the day away. Wait, who was the lady in the taxi? Justin inquired as they were in the middle of talking about a recent summer flick. Greta, she's the boss's mistress, replied Peter. Greta, that was it. Her acting is spot on. I feel like crime dramas are her niche. She's been in a comedy too, Nick chimed in. Really? Her? She seems so serious, said Justin. It was in that instance the elevator car had jerked. The lights had flickered again. Okay, what was that? Nick shouted, feeling the anxiety return. He stood to his feet and began hitting the elevator door. Hey! They stood along with him. The car began to descend. Slow, but sure enough they could feel it going down. The three looked to each other in a calm confusion, descending, down and down, until they came to a stop. For a moment, nothing happened. They stood still in anticipation of those doors swinging open and being free once more. Seconds passed. Nothing. The elevator was silent. The doors opened, and on the other side, Taylor and Dex, along with two firemen. All right, you're free. Sorry for the wait, gentlemen, said one of the firemen. They leisurely made their exit. Walkie-talkies blaring, growing quieter as they got further away. You guys okay? Dexter asked the three. Oh man, thanks so much you guys. Nick rejoiced, showing great relief, stepping out of the elevator behind Justin. Thanks. One of you guys didn't order this sandwich, did you? Wondered Peter. I did, for my friend, 
Dex answered. Taylor subtly pointed to himself. Peter looked inside the bag, then back up to Taylor and Dex. Would you like another one? He asked, laughing subsequently. Bob's Barbecue Barn has great ribs. I'll treat all of you. How about it? Mick offered. Taylor turned to Dex. Shouldn't we get the girls? He laughed. They're working. We won't be long. Besides, they don't eat ribs. Or meat, remember? But, Peter, you have to get back to work, don't you? Justin inquired to him. He took a moment. What are the odds we're still trapped in the elevator? Said tired Peter with a smirk. They all laughed. All right, let's go, guys. Mick insisted as the newfound group of buddies made their way to the lobby exit. Out into freedom. The sky was a pale gray. The rain had died down, and Taylor was going to get his lunch after all. It feels so good to listen in, to sleep in. Thanks for hanging out with me. Until next time. Oh, and don't forget, Please share this podcast with anyone you think could use a buddy in the dark. Someone they can rely on when the nights get a little rocky. These days, I'm only in town twice a month. For now. So I'll see you again soon. Alright? And if you're someone chock full of ideas who may want to throw one my way. I'd love nothing more than to embrace it. Sleep on and sleep well, my friend.